Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and I'm joined by my trusty sidekick, Harley Schultz. This week, we do have a special guest in store for you, but you will have to stick around until after Harley gets through with our Blitz Podcast news to see who's joining us for this um, special episode. So, Harley, I'm going to say what's up to you and then throw it to you real quick so you can hit the news for us. Thank you, Steve. Dion Lewis will miss at least the first half of the season following a second surgery on his knee stemming from an ACL injury suffered late last season. Bill Belichick immediately issued a vote of confidence in backup James White. Upon hearing Belichick's comment, I immediately cut every single roster that I had White on. (laughs) Matt Jones suffered a shoulder injury during last week's contest. This injury looked much more gruesome during the game than the later MRI suggested. Right now, there is no guarantee that Jones will be ready for week one, but Jay Gruden expressed confidence that this was not a long-term injury. In his stead, Chris Thompson and Rob Kelly will step into the void, despite neither having any real talent. Further murkying the Washington waters is the looming presence of, of touted rookie Keith Marshall who has performed so horribly this preseason that he has fallen behind these two crumb bums as well. (laughs) Cleveland running back Duke Johnson was evaluated today for concussion symptoms. He appeared to pass all of his tests, but will remain under scrutiny by team officials heading into week three of the preseason. It is assumed that Johnson sustained the injury on the practice field, but we here at the BPN News Network were researching the possibility that he was simply suffering a migraine from being forced to listen to the never-ending litany of Isaiah Crowell apologies for his Instagram account. (laughs) The Bengals' depth chart lists rookie Tyler Boyd third at wide receiver behind veteran Brandon LaFell. Boyd has clearly earned playing time with a strong preseason, but apparently the coaches agreed with most of LaFell's owners from the previous three seasons in slapping the number two label on him. And Gary Kubiak stated earlier this week that his quarterback competition is wide open right now and that any of the three, Paxton Lynch, Mark Sanchez, or Trevor Simeon, could be under center week one for the defending champions. The Sanchez remains the early favorite despite choppy play this preseason, and Simeon will actually get the nod once again under center this week. We reached out to Trevor's family to get their response about him potentially leading the Broncos' offense this season, but we only heard back from Simeon's mom's brother. His response? My nephew, the NFL starting quarterback? Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. This has been your BPN News Update with Harley Schultz. (laughs) All right, Harley, good stuff. I have to say, I hope that you didn't say anything about any of the players in your news bit that will offend our guests that we're going to have on, because... I wouldn't want to issue with this guy. 
actually, I asked him, how should I introduce you for this, you know, this interview that you're going to do with? And he gave me a couple of options. But you know what? I'm not messing this up. I'm not about to get pile-drived or body-slammed by a professional wrestler. So I'm going to let Mr. Eric Young introduce himself to our listeners. How's it going, man? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Yeah. Busy as always. It's that time of year. and It's that time of year. It, it, you, it is that time of year. It's, what was it? It's um, mock season. How many mocks have you done? Oh, man, it's embarrassing. I, uh, to be honest, I, I like to do them. Uh, I'm well aware that it doesn't really help, to be honest, because there's no way to prepare, because every draft is different. Every group of guys you, you draft with is different. You know, it's, there's just no way. Every scoring system is different. There's, it doesn't really do anything, but I like to do them. It's, it's just fun, fun, you know, way to pass time. And, and uh, I'm, I'm deep. I'm deep in the mock drafts and MFL 10s and, and just consuming as much stuff as I can at this time of year. I think that's what it comes down to is you have to understand the value of something that you get back because a mock is never going to be like a real draft. Um, but- no. You see people try different things and to see who falls and stuff like that. And we promised our listeners, last week we actually told them we were going to talk zero running back, um, but we didn't get to it because we talked zero quarterback too much. So this week we're going to talk zero running back. You and I um, did a experts draft. Um, you were the celebrity at it for the Flex Leagues in Washington, D.C. at the SiriusXM studios a few weeks ago. And I would say you did not subscribe to the zero running back, um, you know, way of life no definitely not um you actually were drafting from the number what three spot or four spot remind me i was three yep okay and how surprised were you when somebody decided to um pull a running back named todd Gurley at the number two spot yeah it, it floored me I, I mean uh i was definitely prepared for wide receivers to go fast now was i prepared for wide receivers to go as fast as they did in that draft I don't, I don't think I've ever been in a draft where wide receivers went that quick. I think it was 50 in the first five rounds or someone added it up. It was some crazy number. Um, and I mean, you can look at my roster and tell that that's exactly what happened. It caught me off guard. I had to, I had to reach for Torrey Smith in the fifth round. Like, look, I like Torrey Smith. I think Torrey Smith will be a really solid number two this year, possibly even a low end number one, Chip Kelly. He's got, you know, he does this as number one receivers, catch a pile of balls. They're on the field a lot because San Francisco's defense is going to be terrible. And Chip Kelly runs a ton of plays. And in that offense, he's the number one. So, you know, I, I, I'm not putting any of my, uh, <laughs> my chips into that basket, but I, I believe Torrey Smith is going to have a good year, not fifth round good year, but uh, yeah, it was uh, the wide receivers went quick. So I, I decided to go the other way and I went running back. I'll say this. I think there was at least three or four running backs that went in the first round. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. And to put it in perspective for people, it was a 12-team league. At least three running backs went off in the first round. And I think it was like 18 wide receivers went in the first round too. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was insane. It was 50 or 48. It's one of those 48, maybe it was, 48 wide receivers in the first five rounds. Yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy. So what you don't know, Eric, and, and for those of, the, those of you listening that may not know Eric, um, on Twitter he is at the Eric Young, and that's E-R-I-C. Um, and of course, you have 200,000 followers, so who doesn't know you? 
but me and two hundred and twenty thousand. Oh, two. I'm sorry. See, I, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to wind up getting power power drived or body <laughs> With, with EY, you might end up getting pile drived, and he's got one of the most dangerous pile drivers in the industry. So you don't want to be hit by that. Yeah, I was telling. So it's one of the best moves for sure. As long as it's not a move on me. Um, I was telling Harley about our draft and how I had met you, and, and we, he was reminiscing about some of the days when you were at TNA, et cetera. So he's a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I've spent a lot of time there, a lot of good years, moving on to, to new things. There you go. So speaking of new things, zero running back, somewhat new. I mean, last year you yeah. couldn't say that people were, were employing that strategy. It was, there's a few out there that might have been doing it, but not like this year. What are your thoughts on that strategy, E? I, I believe that it can work just like, you know, the, you know, the zero quarterback can work. And, you know, any of these things can work. Do we know which one's going to be the right one this year? No. I think if you went zero running back last year, you, you probably did pretty well. You know, the, the reality is, is, you know, you can look at your roster now that you have now. I, I'm, I'm almost willing to guarantee by week six, you're only going to have maybe four of the five guys that are on there, maybe six, you know, like it's, it's constantly changing. People get hurt. Uh, running backs get hurt. Wide receivers get hurt. Quarterbacks get hurt. You know, guys that aren't drafted will be, you know, number one starters. Tim Hightower started in like 80% of championship teams last year. Yeah. Tim Hightower, I don't even think he was playing football in week one. So, I mean, nobody really knows. Uh, for, for me, you'd, every draft, you just got to learn to roll and adapt and, and improv as you go, because every draft is going to be completely different. And when you get good at rolling, you know, with the punches and, and just kind of like picking the guys that are on your list, then you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to, I want to take this. And we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to treat this like we are wrestlers. You and I are going to tag up. We're going to let Harley be in a handicap match. And we're going to let him right mm. now describe to our listeners. Harley, tell people what the zero running back strategy is. And then EY and I, we're going to tag up against why, why we're not huge fans of it. We'll take the opposite side. How's that sound, EY? That's good. You're well, the- when, you're, when you're looking at the whole concept of zero running back, it, it really did kind of uh, come onto the scene about seven or eight years ago. You, know, you can argue who was the originator of the concept. Uh, my uh, fellow uh, fantasy football fan, Paul Charchian, uh, used to work for Fanball. He uh, did a lot of proponent work for pushing a, th- a term called do the opposite, which is where you had a late pick in the first round and you started drafting wide receivers uh, because everyone else was taking running backs off the board. And it was better to get the top wide receiver than to get the ninth best running back at that point in the draft. Now, what's happened is in the last two or three years, as the concept of point per reception or half point per reception leagues ha- have gained a lot of popul- popularity, uh, more and more people are realizing that wide receivers have uh, just a head space more value. Now, on top of that, uh, historically speaking, wide receivers tend to produce with safer floors. Running backs, if you look at them from the last couple of years, the, the guys who were taken in the first round. Last year, uh, five, of, five of the top seven running backs taken in terms of ADP finished at ADPs beyond running back 30. Now, when you look at that versus wide receivers, uh, the consensus top five wide receivers, with the exception of Des Bryant, who was hurt, all finished right about uh, the top 10 in their, in their wide receiver range. So it's consistency, and it's also value. You're getting the best value at your position in the draft. 
by not concentrating on the position that may be considered popular. And then before I team back up here with, with EY to go against you on this, I guess part of that is the thought process is because running backs get hurt more often. I We talked about this um, last night when we recorded this show that, of course, GarageBand just um, crapped on us and we have to redo it. But tonight we get EY because of that. Um, but I called it the spaghetti theorem. It's kind of like grab as many running backs and throw them against the wall and see who sticks because when the running backs get hurt, then those players are going to have added value for you, and it's going to be a net gain and a net loss for your opponent and a net gain for you. That's, that's it in, in a nutshell, right? Well, EY mentioned uh, Tim Hightower last year. Hightower wasn't drafted in any leagues last year. A, a lot of the top finishing running backs last year, guys like uh, Thomas Rawls, he came in as a defense defensive replacement. He came in as an injury replacement midway through the season. D'Angelo Williams uh, was only drafted mainly as a, high, a handcuff to Le'Veon Bell, but then Bell got hurt and missed most of the season. D'Angelo Williams be- performed as a top five uh, fantasy running back last year. With all the injuries that can occur at that position, just due to the sheer amount of contact they take on a game-by-game basis, and uh, obviously, EY, you, you sustain a fair amount of contact every week uh, performing in the ring. So you can, you can attest that it, it's got to be tough on a body to go out there every single week and take hits like that. Yeah, I would definitely say, I mean, running backs are, are you know, subjective to more abuse, I think, than probably wide receivers are. But, I mean, they still get hurt, too. I mean, I think they just there's often, you know, in, in the offenses nowadays in the NFL, there's three receivers on every team that are they're going to get playing time they're going to catch balls you know, I mean that, that are, are, are going to in a PPR are going to catch catch passes and you know and, and accumulate stats and stuff so it's I feel like there's just way more wide receivers available plus now is you know like there are no Emmett Smiths or Damian Tomlinson's you know there's maybe two or three of those guys left in the league so you never really know like uh Tampa Bay's the headache of is who's the, you know who's going to get the majority of the points this year? Is it you know is it is it Martin? Is it Sims? And, you know are they going to be behind and Sims is going to be on the field for the whole time? But I mean, running backs definitely are more susceptible to getting hurt. And I get the the zero RB idea. I just draft a draft. I don't lock myself into one style. And the the draft that um, we did together was you know definitely a thing where I went the other way. I I, I did the theory of. Okay, you're going to draft wide receivers, then I'm going to try to get running backs. I'm with you. I, I went the other way also. I started to draft running back, running back, as well as I started the draft in two of my first five picks with suspension and suspension. I took two guys that were initially suspended <laughs> for eight total games. That, that's um, a new strategy I'm calling the 0-4 strategy. Like, I actually yeah. used that in a draft recently. I picked uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Tom Brady, and uh, Josh Gordon. With the intention of oh, starting over four, <laughs> I the guess suspension technique. Yeah, he's looking for that top waiver wire priority in week five when all those running exactly. backs are not hurt. <laughs> um, I'll tell you where my issue comes with this: the zero running back strategy, and it ties right into what you just said a little bit ago, Ey. And it's that every draft is different. And here's the thing: if everybody in your draft starts doing zero running back then there's not as much spaghetti left for you to throw on the wall. And, and then it gets right. it's spread out. So I kind of think that that does a disservice to your team. You have to know everybody, eight teams, nine teams in a 12-team league, 
can't do zero running back together. It, you're just you're you're cannibalizing yourself. <clears throat> now, with that said, I think that Eric took one of the best reasons not to go zero running back in the flex league draft. I actually drafted this guy in the huddle expert IDP draft I'm in right now too. And it's all about volume. I don't care if you're talking about passers, pass catchers, or runners. It's about volume. I will take volume and situation over talent almost any day of the week. LaShawn McCoy. Yep. Why, why did you- I think he finishes the year number one. That's, that's what I believe. So, Rex Bryan runs the ball. If he, I mean, it's always the question of, you know, does he stay healthy? You could say that with every single player. Yep. You know, every single player in the, you know, Tom Brady, when he broke his leg and he went down and Matt Castle took over, first game of the year, he would probably, was a time where quarterbacks probably wouldn't sit really, really high. I mean, he probably went in the first round that year. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the second round. But no, nobody knows. And I think, you know, McCoy is going to, he's top three for sure this year if he plays 14 games. I don't disagree with you at all, especially considering that I took Le'Veon Bell when he was still suspended for four games at number nine in that league. And like I said, right. I, I then backed that up with Adrian Peterson. There's a reason why I took him over McCoy in that league, and that's because I needed a high floor guy. I wasn't looking for as much upside. But I think McCoy has as much upside as anybody in the draft in that offense. And there's no doubting his ability. And I believe he was hindered his last season with the Eagles and even in the last year, I think, with the Bills somewhat due to a turf toe injury that we never heard the full extent about. And I think that if he's past that, and there's no K train there now, I know that hurts you because he was one of your next to last picks in the flex draft. That that hurts a little bit. Um, Gillisey will be a nice little guy that'll spell him every now and then. He's not going to steal touches. And Reggie Bush isn't going to be that big of an impact. He'll be a gimmick and they'll use him and they'll find touches for him because as you said, there's only a handful of guys that are those 300-plus carry backs anymore anyway. Yep, yep. So, Mr. Zero running back strategy over there, Harley, how do you defend passing on a guy like LaShawn McCoy? You know, with LaShawn McCoy, uh, he gets a rep as being an injury-prone guy because he's missed a couple games here and there every season. But when you look at it, he's actually played most of the games for the teams he's been active with. Uh, uh, and the injuries he sustained have not been like soft tissue type injuries. They've been actual hard injuries, things that happen in the, in the course of the game. So I, you know, I actually kind of like LaShawn McCoy. Uh, what I don't like is that, is that whole uh, Buffalo offense. I'm a little concerned about uh, what they're going to do. And I, I really think that uh, Tyrod Taylor might vulture some of those touchdowns up there this year, along with the uh, rookie uh, Jonathan Williams. I, everyone thought Carlos Williams had a great season last year would be the backup to LaShawn McCoy again this year. But he ran into the off-the-field transgressions, showed up to camp uh, looking like me in terms of weight. And uh, so he's gone out there. But uh, looking at your roster really quickly, EY, uh, I know we're talking about LaShawn right now, you actually got one of my favorite zero running back running backs in the later rounds, and that's Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, yeah, I, I've... I've uh... I've had the Corral disease for a while. I've had, I've had him on, on, on several of my teams last year. Um, a good friend of mine works in the Cleveland media and he's like, that's the only guy we're taking in Cleveland. And I don't know something about, you know, just watching him run. He, you know, I feel like he, he could be a, a, the real deal. You know, he's, 
he's not super fast or super elusive, but he runs hard. And uh, I think, I mean, like Duke Johnson's too small to run him between the tackles over and over again. So I think Corral's going to get some time, and I think he's going to score touchdowns. And it's hard to argue with the situation because with Hugh Jackson there, I think that you're going to see value for both Crowell and Johnson, yep. just like you did with Geo and Jeremy Hill. So, yeah, yep. I think he's definitely being undervalued, and he's a great value for where you got him, especially in draft. So I understand why. But I'm going to tell you, something I see that's happening here, and anyway, I don't know if you see it or not, but it looks like Harley's trying to find a way to um, work his way into the this tag team and either scoot me out or just join us and, and have <laughs> us become a triumvirate or something. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe we're six-man tag. Maybe yeah. we're the new Freebirds. There you go. That's going back in the day. I like that. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure which free bird I would be, but uh, I think with my uh, between you and uh, me, Eric, uh, we've got beards to uh, to to maybe become the uh, new uh, was the uh, group in the uh, WWE just recently. Um, never the remember Wyatt. the name of the the Wyatts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They Thank all you. got beards. Well, Steve, you don't have a beard. You're gonna have to start growing one. If I start growing it now, we might be able to. We might be able to get to where I need to be in about eight years. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, talking about beards, um, yeah, I don't know how to segue away from that. Um, <laughs> what else? Um, give us another target that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> no, the, yeah, you don't want to know what he calls Ryan Fitzpatrick on the show. He always refers to him as the beard of knowledge or the, the, the beard of justice. The beard of justice. <laughs> beard of justice. So give us another shaved non- it, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he was forced to shave. Uh, he shaved off the curly locks, and uh, he cut the beard down, so it's uh, it, it's still it's plush, but it's not right. long like it used to be. See, I really want to ask EY about his quarterback position, but I promised we weren't going to talk zero quarterback this week. Um, and then I'm also afraid that he might say something bad about the guy that you know authored that zero quarterback theorem, so I don't know if I should, but I will say... No, please. I have, I'm, 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 I'm totally transparent. Ask me anything. Oh, I was going to say, how hard is it for you to wait on a quarterback that long? Or is it something that you think is definitely easy and should be done? For, for me, 12-team uh, 12 12, 12 is, is tough. You I mean, like, it's, you're ready to board. Like, I want a guy that, that's dependable. And I think in that draft, you know, Eli, I think I got him. Um, I think the, the Giants are going to move the ball. I think Sterling Shepard is going to draw coverage away from Odell Beckham, you know, if, if Cruz can get on the field and, and is, is decent, you know, a good guy in the slot or even, you know, out wide as, as well as Odell Beckham. Plus I think Will Ty is going to be pretty decent. I think they're going to move the ball in New York. And uh, I, Eli's one of those like solid floor guys, I feel. And, and, uh, and that's, that's what I like. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not going to take Cam or Rogers. I want those guys, but I, I got to pay too high of a price for them. And uh, I, I last year in um, the fantasy cup draft, I took Rogers. Really, I was the first guy to take a quarterback, and I took Rogers, and that came back to bite me in the end. So, yeah, I'm I'm in a wait, and uh, sometimes I wait too long, you know, and I end up with, uh, you know, just Tyrod and maybe Jameis Winston or something like that. But some of those late guys, they're going to hit. You just got to hope it's the guy that you pick. Nah, I don't think you can wait too long. I'm the guy that took mine in the last round and still wound up with Matthew Stafford. So. I think he did yeah, great. I think I think he's going to be good this year. I, I do too. I was ecstatic to get him in the 16th round. I will say this: Odell Beckham, you drafted him third overall. Yep. I had the first. Yep. I had the first overall pick in the Huddle IDP Expert League, and I would be lying if I didn't tell you 
and all of our listeners, and this might make lose us a few listeners, I gave Odell Beckham serious consideration in drafting him over Antonio Brown. I think there's a ton of upside for that passing attack in New York. I really do. Yeah, so I'm, I'm right there with you. He's a generational player, right? Yeah, he is. And you know what? Eli doesn't get the respect he deserves, and, and it's a second year in that McAdoo offense. I just really think we're going to see good things come from that. There's too much talent there. Well, I think Eli did something really smart, too, by when, when he waited to get Eli Manning, who, again, I am huge on the Giants' offense this year. I think we talked about it a little bit last week how much I'm buying into their offense, including getting guys like Rashad Jennings late uh, when, you, when you kind of do the whole zero running back thing. But he went out and he got Will Ty also to be the tight end. Now, Will Ty looked phenomenal down the stretch last year for the Giants. Uh, Larry Donnell is very much vanilla. Uh, he really has done nothing in his career to distinguish himself as a solid pass-catching option. But now what you do is every single week, with the exception of their bye week, you can pair Eli Manning and Will Ty out there. And again, you don't have to waste a high pick on Ty. You can get Ty very, very late in drafts. And all of a sudden, every time Ty scores, you're getting double the bonus there. He got great value. He got, he got Ty at the end of the 12th round. So um, I'll tell you what. Let's do this since we're on our zero running back kick this week. Harley, why don't you go ahead and give me your favorite one or two zero running back targets that aren't somebody that people are going to be expecting to hear about? Well, until about a week ago, one of my favorites was Deion Lewis, but uh, obviously now I'm not going to be drafting him anymore. But uh, the guys you can find uh, average draft position right around draft position 20 among running backs, you can get Danny Woodhead. No, you can get that's, a guy that's, like, no that's not deep enough. Come on. You, gotta, come on. you want me to go further deep than that? Yes, uh, of course I do. Well, now you, you put me on the spot. I was looking at guys who are going to be drafting as your running back three here. So, uh, oh, you know well, let's what? see. Now, Isaiah Crowell. No, Isaiah Crowell on, is one of the guys I, that we've talked about a little bit before. Uh, Rashad Jennings, one of the guys we talked about before. What you're looking for at zero running back late is guys who are actually going to get the carries, who are going to get a number of touches to make themselves effective. Now, let's say you don't want to waste the 20 pick on Woodhead or the 20th running back pick on Woodhead. You can get Melvin Gordon at roughly running back 32. Again, he's going to carry the rock at least two, uh, at least one half of the time in that backfield. And he's one of those guys that could potentially steal the running back one job. So really, it's, it's all about finding that value late in the draft. I mean, you're going to throw some stuff at the wall. You're going to take guys like Christine Michael, who could become the number one running back in Seattle if Thomas Rawls proves un, unwilling to be healthy enough to play on the field. You're going to take guys like Theo Riddick, who... Uh, in some drafts, might not even get drafted. You're going to talk about them all. I think we hit him too hard, EY. He can't count. I said a couple. You know? <laughs> Eric, I'm, these I'm are some of my favorites. What's, you're writing this down? I'm coming to yeah, you next. I'm writing all this information. I want to know what you guys feel. For me, like if we're doing the zero running back thing, someone that I, I took in a late round of draft I just did recently was Darren Sproles. The, the Eagles paid him in the offseason. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about the other two, you know, is it Barner and, and uh, Smallwood or whatever his name yeah, is? Um, I don't know anything about those guys, but I know that Darren Sproles is, is an unbelievable talent. So what do you guys feel about him? Well, I'll talk about Sproles since Harley talked about everybody else. I like Sproles. What I like about him a ton is that, one, he's free. I mean, what's his, his ADP? Is, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's see what it comes up, if he even comes up. 50, running back 50. Um and he has a role in that offense, and you know that he's going to be on the field in third down situations. And you know that the offense isn't going to be great. 
there's going to be growing pains. So they're going to be in a lot of third down situations. They're going to be in a lot of shootouts. He's got a lot of garbage time coming in the third and fourth quarters. I love Sproles as a guy that you can add to that bench. He's never going to be a guy that's going to replace Matthews if he gets hurt. But that's okay. If you're in a PPR, I love Darren Sproles. That's a great call, especially in larger than 12-team leagues. But even in 12-team leagues, I think he's got a role as a running back four or five that can give you running back two upside week in here and there. I like to look at Darren Sproles as the guy you get if you don't get Danny Woodhead. Yeah, You're going to spend the sixth or seventh round pick to get Woodhead. You can get Sproles, like you said, at the end of your draft, maybe even as a free agent after the draft. And he, he is going to produce similar statistical lines on a week-by-week basis to Woodhead. He might not get the touchdowns that Danny would get, but he's going to catch five or six passes. He's going to be on the field for every third down and every fourth down they face. And when, when the time comes, and that's not an if, it's a when Ryan Matthews gets hurt, he's not going to be the every down back, but Kenyon Barner, no. Yeah. Who's, who's another one of your favorite zero running backs, Eric? Um, I, and for, for, for me, and I don't know, this, he might be going a little too early for the zero running back, but Amir Abdullah is a guy that I, I like this year. I feel like, you know, watching the, the Cardinals thing and from the draft last year, and they ended up with, um, they ended up with their guy. Uh, oh my God, I can't think of his name. David, David, <laughs> David, David Johnson. So they ended up with him, but they wanted Amir Abdullah. So, and I think he's he's a guy that can do, you know, everything. And in the Detroit offense, he's, he can catch the ball too. I mean, it's not just theoretic. Um, so I, I feel like Mir Abdullah is a guy that you could really rely on. Yeah, I don't. He's right in that middle scuff. He's got like a, an ADP of thirty among running backs. Um, I like him a lot. He's the only thing I don't like about him is that offensive line in Detroit that worries me a little bit. Um, but I also heard that Abdullah himself was a little bit upset with his. Um, rookie season and evidently he's pretty close to Ladanian Tomlinson and I heard somebody talking about how Tomlinson talked to him and had and told him look just you got to believe in yourself you've got to have that swagger type stuff and evidently it, it sunk in um, and so I'm expecting us to see Abdullah easily outperform his ADP so I think while he may not be the true yep. zero running back he's definitely falling down boards far enough with all this wide receiver craze going on that he's somebody that you can can look at for me i'll give you two guys that i think are the kind of guys that that fit the realm of if you're drafting that zero running back you want some production but you're looking for the big hit if the guy in front of him goes down because that really hurts your opponent plus it really helps you and one of those guys is charles sims in tampa bay his adp is a little bit higher uh, it's at 38, so I guess it's actually it's it's below Jay Ajayi. So I think that's actually pretty. That's good. wrong. That's really wrong. Yeah. So he's somebody. He's got a role. He's like Sproles in that he has a role. He's going to see touches, and if the muscle hamster were to go down, it's all his for the most part. I'll tell you another guy. We talked about him maybe last week a little bit, if I remember correctly, Harley. I think Tevin Coleman's another one that fits that. We people, I think, forget that Tevin Coleman won the starting job in Atlanta last year. He got hurt. Devontae Freeman pulled a Lou Gehrig and did what he did with his opportunity. But Coleman's the younger guy. Coleman's a guy that they drafted high enough that makes me think that they're going to get him involved in that offense this year. And if Freeman were to go down, then Coleman is a goldmine. 
So they're two guys I'm looking at that if I'm running zero running back, they're two of the types of guys I want on my team. Well, in that window of players, I just thought of another name that uh, needs to be on people's radar as you get really later into the draft, and that's Devontae Booker in Denver, uh, who, again, given the opportunity to step into the starting role, he has everything around him to make himself very successful in, in that. And uh, as we've seen, Denver is uh, not want to uh, take their running backs out and replace them with people for really no given reason any given week. Yeah, and I actually saw something on Twitter from, I think it was Brian Perez, who's a guy that I respect his, his view on players quite a bit. And he said Devontae Booker is a better running back than C.J. Anderson. So it's going to be a matter of opportunity there. And if you want to talk about rookie running backs that are better than the person in front of them, you can look right into Baltimore, where I think a lot of people are getting on board the Kenneth Dixon train right now. And uh, uh, if he's not starting by midseason, uh, I would be very, very surprised. Okay. So before we wrap this up and I give Twitter handles and all that good stuff, any parting, parting thoughts that you would like to give our listeners, Eric? Uh, for me, I mean, you know, zero running back, uh, you know, zero wide receiver, zero quarterback, whatever you want to call these different strategies. They're all, they're all well and good. And I think they can all work depending on how your draft goes. But for me, like, don't don't be married to a, a, a certain situation, a certain draft idea. Like, you hear these guys call up these uh, radio stations and say, hey, you know, like, I've got the – I got the eighth pick in my draft. Who should I take? Well, how how would anyone know that? There's no way to know who's going to be available. There's no way to know who's going to be picked, what kind of scoring system it is. So for me, it's just you have to learn to adapt and 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 do it on the fly. For me, I'm a big proponent of of roster guys. Like you hear a lot of times, you know, this, you know, this best guy on the board, best guy on the board. For me, I try to take the best guy on the board first, like two or three rounds, but after that, like. I just want to have a super solid starting roster and guys that can fill in if those guys get hurt because they're going to get hurt. <laughs> you know, people miss games. You know, they get sick. They get, you know, turf toe. They get hamstrings, you know, stuff like this. There, there's no way to prepare for that. But for me, it's just fill your team. Your, the draft is your first it's a building block. You're building a house. It's the, it's the foundation. But your team is going to look completely different at the end of the year. So just going to learn to adapt. I like it. I think Eric could wind up like subbing in on Twitter for me for a little bit because I get questions all the time about who should I draft and I or who won this trade. And I'm always like, I don't have enough information to answer that question for you. I don't know who's going no, to be it's there. Impossible. It's it's drafts are fluid. I always say two things. One, have fun and two, try to dictate in a draft. Try not to follow runs, try to start them. And it just you're right. You have to have a plan A, you have to have a plan B, and you have to have a plan C. When A, B, and C all go wrong, then there better be a plan D in place. Well, I'm going to further reiterate the whole fluidity thing that both of you are mentioning. It's so important. And one thing that I highly recommend to people, whether you're drafting online or drafting in person with a pen and paper in front of yourself, don't just track your roster. Track the rosters of everyone else in the league. Because what you might find is you might find yourself in a spot in your draft where You've got two or three people picking behind you that don't need a position. And then by the time it gets back around to you, you might be able to slough a guy around or two that maybe you really, really want. But it might allow you to pick someone with more value in that previous round, knowing that the likelihood is very, very low that one of the people picking between you and your next pick will take that position player. And the other thing I'll add, don't get too cute. 
if there's a guy, and we all have that one or two or three guys that we really love, and we're like, and we're, man, I want to steal him at a great ADP. No, don't, because you know what happens? Sammy Watkins. <laughs> guys like Eric Young take Kamar Aiken sooner than what you expected, and you miss out on the guy you wanted. Or if you I, like, want, I wanted him. I know I you did, him. and you went and got him, and I, I love that. I think it's a great thing for people to see. I wanted Dante Moncrief. I really would have liked to have had him with my third pick, but I went, nah, it's too early. I'll be able to wait. I'll grab him either the fourth or fifth round. It didn't make it that far, not even close. And I think Moncrief could be a top 10 wide receiver this year. So don't get too cute. If you really like a guy, go get him. Have fun because that's what this is all about. So with that, go ahead, Derek. No, I was just saying that's, that's, it's supposed to be fun. And for me, the fun part is, I, you know, and I could be wrong. I'm not afraid to be wrong. I've been, I've been wrong lots of times in my life, and I'll be lot, wrong lots of times going forward. But for me, you know, the fifth round Torrey Smith pick, that's my flag. You know, that's, that's my flag. I did reach for him, and I'm well aware that I reached for him, but I needed another wide receiver. Him and Aiken both are guys that I wanted that, you know, later than the draft and that. But that draft, that specific draft dictated that I had to take him then because they may not have made it back to me. Yep. So, you know, get your guys, get the guys that you like, get the guys that you believe in, make your own ADP list and stick to it. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't say it better. Well, look, I want to thank you for joining us, Eric. Really appreciate it. I hope that all of our listeners give him a follow if you're not following him already at the Eric Young. That's at T H E E R I C Y O U N G. You can also follow Harley at Nuclear Harley. Sorry, Harley, I'm not spelling yours out. And you can also <laughs> follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And as usual, make sure to um, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.